Welcome, you're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast from Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas, and we have a special guest with us today. Um, Here with me with Dawn and me, Pat, um, is Beverly Ross, and she is Executive Director of the Wise County Christian Counseling, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what they do and also give us some good ideas for how to deal with the holidays, which are sometimes very difficult for people who are going through grief and loss. So, Beverly, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me today, and it is always a blessing to get to share the story of YCCC, Wise County Christian Counseling. We are absolutely delighted to do what we do in our area, mm-hmm. and we consider it honor and blessing hmm. to get to do what we do. I uh, opened Wise County Christian Counseling in 2006, in June of 2006, okay. uh, all by myself. All right. I returned calls on Friday only because, really, from the day I opened up in full, wow, we've had a just a huge response mm-hmm. here in Wise County to people needing a place to come and sit, a safe place mm-hmm. to come and sit and be. I opened over in Mark Duncombe's uh, Double Creek Capital Executive Suites. Okay. I had one office there mm-hmm. and really never envisioned having more. I really mm-hmm. didn't. I never saw it growing and booming on a uh, February 3rd of 2010, so Mm -hmm. almost four years later, Mm -hmm. I hired a counselor to come to work with me, not having a clue what February 4th of 2010 would bring. Mm. And that is the day my daughter went in the hospital. Um, Miriam, who's the counselor I hired, was a friend of mine. We had worked together in North Dallas. We worked together. We had an office there on 635 between Preston and Hillcrest. And I hired Miriam to come knowing she had a passion to do counseling. Mm -hmm. The same, um, I guess, philosophy that I do, Mm -hmm. and that is to do it as a nonprofit. We are both licensed by the state of Texas to be in private practice, Mm -hmm. but that's not our heart. We want to meet people where they are. Uh, The tagline of YCCC is we do not believe that pain, emotional pain, knows economic boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so we want to provide top-notch right. professional services for people who can't afford it and for people who can't. Mm-hmm. And we continue mm-hmm. to hold to that. Um, when Jenny went in the hospital, I wasn't sure if I'd go back in the counseling room. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to do that. Jenny... Um, I guess I'll go ahead and break into the story of YCC and just add my, my story sure. in as we tell that. February 4th, Jenny went into the hospital. That was a Thursday. She had been diagnosed on that Monday, February 1st, with the flu. The flu mm-hmm. was epidemic in the DFW area. Mm-hmm. We thought mm-hmm. she had the flu. Right. She didn't get better on Tuesday, didn't get better on Wednesday. Thursday morning, I woke up, and mm-hmm. uh, my son-in-law wrote me that she was really, really sick. So I was mm-hmm. loading a backpack to right. go meet her and be with her. David Tech said they had seen the doctor. For, they were at the doctor's office waiting to get in when she opened. And um, 
They sent her to Baylor Grapevine, said she was dehydrated, she'd need mm-hmm. fluids. I was supposed to do three marriage events that month, oh. Valentine's Day, <laughs> right. all by myself. So mm-hmm. I loaded a backpack with marriage books and all the stuff I needed um, to write those talks and headed to be with her. Mm-hmm. Before we got there, David called and said they were taking her to Baylor Grapevine. Mm. And uh, when we got there, medical personnel were buzzing around her. Our nine-year-old granddaughter was in the ER and so in, in oh, the room wow. with, with her mommy. Mm-hmm. And my husband got her out immediately, mm-hmm. um, the terror on Malaya's face. And Jenny lowered the oxygen mask and said, I cannot believe I'm this sick. The doctor mm-hmm. asked David and me to step out into the hall. And when we did, the doctor turned around and looked at us and said, we've got a 60-40 chance. And oh, she put yeah. pictures of Jenny's lungs up on the x-ray machine. And I said, a 60-40 chance of what? And she turned back around and looked at me with all kindness, but very firmly, and said, of life. Your mm-hmm. daughter is very sick. And that began for us, the fight for life. Mm -hmm. So um, they put her in isolation in intensive care, not knowing what she had at that point. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything like flu. Right. Within a few hours, uh, the test came back and confirmed Jenny never had the flu. She had group A strep and had gone without an antibiotic, and she was septic, which means organ failure. Our 31-year-old daughter was in isolation, absolutely fighting for life. Mm. Uh, February 8th. She almost died three times. February 17th, they amputated her legs. And uh, we totally agreed to that because what we wanted is just her heart. Mm-hmm. And if, if we needed to do that to save life, that's what we were going to do. Right. February 20th, a seizure started. And February mm. 22nd, we stood around Jenny's bed and told her goodbye. As our belief system says, the angel swooped in and took her to see the face of Jesus. Um over the course of that 18 and a half days, I wasn't sure what my counseling practice was going to look like mm-hmm. again. Right. I was grateful to have Miriam, who was able to keep up with phone calls, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have her, I don't know if YCCC would still be in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me months to get back into the counseling room, really to protect sure. my clients more than me. Right. Uh, I confess what I really wanted to say even thinking about sitting in the room is, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You call that a problem. Let me tell you what the problem <laughs> is, you know. And I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. And so after a few months, I, uh, I got back in the room and to sit with pe- other people who were hurting. In August, someone knocked on my door, literally, and asked me for a job with children. And that has been the story of YCCC's growth. Mm. Uh, I have not sought help. But the best counselors, in my opinion, on the planet, <laughs> have just knocked on my door and said, we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of this. And now we have 10 counselors and two office staff. Mm-hmm. We are in the most gorgeous location in the gift shop. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened there a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and we are full, full. Everybody is full. We have a wait list that I used to obsess about. Can't get rid of it. Um, but I think it's just showing how many people, not just in our area, but how many people in our world mm-hmm. have broken hearts, have hard stories. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown is a woman. I'm certified in all of her work. She's, mm-hmm. she's a social worker mm-hmm. in Houston. And she says this, every person has a story that will absolutely break your heart. Mm-hmm. If we just show up in here, 
each other's stories. Right. And uh, that's a lot what we do at YCCC. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we show up. We hear stories. We uh, are trained in new programs constantly. Mm-hmm. We have play therapists. We have play therapists that work with our teenagers. We have adults. I do mostly marriage and grief as my own practice. Okay. Um, we're just trying to see people and get people in and keep it on a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. So we um, do a fundraiser once a year. Okay. And... As soon as we opened in the gift shop, it was already, and it's why we opened in the gift shop, we wanted to open a grief center. Mm-hmm. And so uh, September of 2018, we opened a grief center, and it is called Jenny's Hope. Mm-hmm. And it is total, all the services at Jenny's Hope are free of charge. So wow. now we run a ton of grief groups. Grievers need to be in a group. Mm-hmm. Grievers need to be beside other grieving people. Right now, our grief groups are specifically for death. We've got one counselor that with young children, I think that she's got eight to ten-year-olds doing a group for children going through parental divorce. Mm. Okay. I'm hedging right now about the death because I do believe this, and I want to speak this clearly as we're going to talk about the holidays. Mm-hmm. I do not believe, and in fact, I really reject language that would say that death is the only grief-producing event. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of things in our world, a lot of things in our world that produce heavy grief. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. When I asked that to a group last Friday, I spoke at a a grief conference in Dallas, and I just asked them, what else causes grief? And some of the things on the list, of course, are divorce, broken relationships, breakups, uh, a child that you don't have a relationship with anymore, or a child in addiction, mm-hmm. your own addiction, um, a diagnosis, mm-hmm. job transition, job loss, mm-hmm. change of finances, sometimes a move. Sometimes thing we, things that we think are going to be good transitions, mm-hmm. just the transition of it right. can, can bring grief, particularly in the holidays, because things are different. Mm-hmm. They're different. And so we've got to learn to hold space with whatever our grief is. We live in a culture that is very, not only grief-denying, but grief-defying. We don't give ourselves room, Mm -hmm. nor our friends room, to experience grief. And so how can we? I think there's some good questions Mm -hmm. around this. How can we show up? Right. Beside hurting people. And how can we show up beside our own pain? Mm-hmm. We're not really sure what to do with it. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure that anything accentuates pain more than the holidays. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. very uh, in front of us. So a lot going on at Jenny's Hope, a lot mm-hmm. going on at the Grief Center, a lot of exploration that we want to do uh, with future events, etc. with that. Last night we just had a family night, and uh, we had 35 people gather and we watched Coco, and oh, we all fun. brought our special person's favorite food, picture of oh. our special person. We honored them, and we sat around under blankets and <laughs> watched, tried to stay warm, and we <laughs> watched <laughs> Coco together. And it was just, uh, I think the phrase I would use there is just sacred space. Mm. Really, really sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us what's going on right now with, I know you've got a big event coming up Um Mid-November. Yes, we do. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, right now, I'm running three grief groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And so we're trying to consolidate everybody on top of, we've been doing this for several years now, this, we call it Hope Through the Holidays, okay. Hope Through the Holidays. It's November 18th. Mm-hmm. It will be at the uh, Decatur Church of Christ, which is just up the road on Highway 51. Um here in Decatur, it is a free event, Okay, and we're going to get together that night at 6.30, and we're going to do a candle lighting mm-hmm. for our special person. We're asking everyone to bring a framed picture mm-hmm. so we can honor our people who have died, but we're also going to explore and talk a little bit about what are some things that have worked for other people in grief that just help them keep walking through the holidays. Mm-hmm. The holidays can be hard. I remember Mm -hmm. that very first year for me, when the calendar rolled over to November 1st, Mm -hmm. I had to take the day off. Mm. Uh, I could not sit in the counseling room on November 1st of 2010 because I knew the holidays were coming. Mm. And the anxiety that was welling up inside of me was pretty significant. Right. And so I just had to think through, what am I going to commit to? Mm-hmm. What am I going to give myself permission to do mm-hmm. and not to do? Mm-hmm. And how am I going to show up for the next couple of months in, in the midst of this pain? Right. And hold space with my, the rest of my family who also were hurting mm-hmm. people. How are we going to bring everybody together? Was there going to be laughter? Was there going to be joy in our home? Mm-hmm. What did it look like? What did it sound like? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's really easy for people to... To make plans so that they ignore it. Yes. So that they don't have to confront that pain. And not a healthy thing to do, but sometimes that's what you have to do, I think. I don't don't know. It's it's just really hard. You're absolutely right. And I think um, frequently when we tap that grief in and Mm -hmm. we make up our minds we're not going to, Mm -hmm. it comes out in very unhealthy ways. It comes out in ways that hurt other people, Mm -hmm. ways that hurt ourselves. Mm -hmm. Grief is going to come out. Mm -hmm. It is part of life. Right. It is part of of the life journey. It's part of being alive. Mm-hmm. Is you're going to experience grief, and so when you tap it up, uh, tap it down. Frequently, our bodies respond terribly. Right. right. It's not healthy. You just can't. You can't continue having healthy relationships mm-hmm. and tap that grief in real tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's not what we were made to do. Mm-hmm. One of my phrases that I would um, use right here in a counseling session is that grief and joy can hold hands. Hmm. And I got asked recently, I said that on a stage, and uh, the pastor who was standing beside me said, wait, 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 grief and joy can hold hands. And I said, absolutely. And he said, isn't that inauthentic? Aren't those conflicting? I said, absolutely not. The brain is not wired to experience two conflicting emotions at the same time, meaning you will never experience anxiety and gratitude together. Those Mm. are in conflict. But joy and grief come from the same root. They are both rooted in love. You Mm -hmm. are not going to grieve what you didn't love. Right. Even if it's the death of a dream, there was something in that dream that you loved. Mm -hmm. And the more you loved the person that you were grieving, 
the more you're going to have grief symptoms. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's rooted in love. And so it's to give ourselves permission to experience grief in one hand, to open your palm and to say, I release this grief. And the other hand is open. And in that hand, you're going to be able to receive joy. Mm-hmm. It may not be in huge waves. Mm-hmm. For me, it was in small gl- glimpses. It was just glimpses of joy. But it was enough to keep me from becoming bitter. When you talk about joy and grief being hand in hand, are you specifically talking about joy in remembering that person, the the good times, or are you talking about new joy? Are you talking about new experiences? I think that is a beautiful question, and I think yes and yes. Okay. I'm talking about the memory of, Mm -hmm. I decided on Jenny's first birthday after her death, which was August 3rd, Okay. that I did not want that absolutely did not want the pain of her death to overshadow the joy of her birth. Mm. And so I knew that day Mm -hmm. I wanted to do things to remember her life Mm -hmm. and to laugh. Right. Now, did I cry? Oh, yeah. I (laughs) cried a lot that day, missed her like crazy. But I just didn't want the pain to make it where I didn't, that I wasn't still happy I had her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that we, we walked together for 31 years. Right. I wanted to remember that mm-hmm. with joy. But I think when, when you go in, when grief opens up that depth of, of your heart, the depth of your soul right there that you've never known before, mm-hmm. it also opens you up to deeper joy. You're playing in, in mm. water that, that's so deep you've never been in it before. And so mm-hmm. it, it's a deeper joy than I've ever known before. But it's because it holds hands with grief. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. I think it's yes about her, but yes about my life. Mm-hmm. It took me probably 18 months after Jenny's death to see color again. Oh, that's interesting. Everything was dark. Mm-hmm. Everything was just gray. And I hear that from other grievers. Mm-hmm. But the vibrancy after that was pretty incredible. And it was really amazing, the same season we were opening Jenny's Hope, the vibrancy of color just went into a depth I'd never known before. Wow. I'm going to go and add this here. I thought this was kind of an incredulous part of the journey. We opened Jenny's Hope in September of 2018, Mm -hmm. and on October 8th, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my goodness. And so I had to make some big decisions mm-hmm. about how I was going to walk this out and uh, what I was going to do about fear. Right. And if I was going to have the energy, I wasn't sure mm-hmm. to continue mm-hmm. the grief center. Right. Because I knew that I wanted to continue to walk in the beauty that had risen up from ashes. I also want to be really clear, because if if you're a griever listening to this, I want to really be clear, you will not understand this unless I say this next line. There's still ash. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the pain is gone. Mm -hmm. What we do in grief is we learn to carry the pain. I really Mm -hmm. reject the phrase of time heals Mm -hmm. or grief is healed. I don't believe that, and I don't think that's a healthy approach to grief. Okay. 
most of us have known people that just waited for time to heal. Mm -hmm. And all it did is just embed the root of bitterness more. Mm. Time by itself heals nothing. And to imply that grief needs to be healed is unhealthy because it would imply that grief is a disease or sickness. Right. Grief is what we are wired to do. We are wired by God for the emotion of sadness. Hmm. And so we've got to be able to show up in it. The language that I use is we develop the emotional and spiritual muscle mm -hmm. to carry our pain. Mm -hmm. There's a, a wow. movie, an old movie. It's one of Nicole Kidman's, maybe one of her first movies. I'm not sure how old it is, but it's called The Rabbit Hole. And uh, a professor at Abilene Christian came up to me and said, you have got to see this scene in, in the rabbit hole. I think of your family. The movie is about, I don't remember her character's name, but mm -hmm. it's Nicole Kidman had a four-year-old son that was killed by a teenage driver. Mm. And she's with her mom, the scene, there. she's with her mom in, in the attic, and it is dark in this attic. Mm -hmm. And they're putting the baby's toys away after oh, his death. Wow. And uh, Nicole looks at her mom and says, uh, Mom, does it get get easier? You got to tell me. Does it get easier than this? And the mom had buried her husband and his son. Mm. Silent. And finally, the mom says, "You know what? I don't know if it gets easier, but you learn to carry it." She said, "It's like somebody sews a brick in your pocket, and you can't get the brick out. Mm. And one day, you'll forget you're carrying the brick." But you'll bump up against the cabinet and you'll go, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. the brick. Or you'll go to put your hand in your pocket mm -hmm. and you'll remember the brick. But you learn to carry it. Mm -hmm. And I love that language. Um, nine and a half years out, and I still never know when a grief wave mm -hmm. is going to come. Mm -hmm. And I give myself permission to ride that wave when it comes. Right. Um, not to try to silence it, but I never—I don't know where it's going to take me. Mm -hmm. And so I do want to ride ride the wave and give myself permission mm -hmm. to uh, be there. That's a phrase I use a lot now. I give myself permission <laughs> to be where I am. Mm -hmm. So I have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> You're making me cry. So, and it's not that there's any grief. It's just thinking about if something happened to my husband and child. <laughs> You know, sure. but, um, so first of all, how would you, um, like work with somebody who is, has not experienced that grief yet, but like your diagnosis, they have somebody in their family that is diagnosed with something and how, how do they deal with that? Does that like make sense? Like if someone in my family was diagnosed? Well, no, you've been diagnosed. So how, do, how is your husband handling that? How were, um... You know, your granddaughter is. How is she handling that? Oh, you know, other such people. a great question. You know what? I think that question is so rich because the the answer is, it's really day to day. Mm -hmm. I mean, we show up, and like I have two sons. I have my granddaughter who's now nineteen. My husband. I have a very close circle of family and friends, and every person has handled it differently. Mm -hmm. And so the deal is, we've got to give everybody permission to handle it their way. Some people don't want to talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. And some people want to talk about it all the time, and that's okay. We 
we are. Right after I found out, I was at main event with my grandchildren when I found out I had it. <laughs> the doctor no. called. She said, who are you? And I said, I'm at main event with She said, I'll call you back. I'm like, no, 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 no. Call <laughs> yourself out because I want to know what's going on. And she said, I had invasive and non-invasive breast cancer. And so it was a little okay. scary for a, a, about... Oh, 36 hours or whatever. I got uh-huh. in to see a surgeon immediately and uh, got a good prognosis. I was stage one, early detection. Nice. Get your mammogram. Yes. It was so, yes, get it. But uh, everybody got really afraid mm-hmm. for those mm-hmm. couple of days until we knew what was going on. Two of my grandchildren called me. They wanted to FaceTime me. They don't live here. They called, and one of the little boys raised his hand. They're a very good school student. <laughs> raised his hand that he had a question for me, and he said, are you going to die? And uh, at that time, I would not seen the surgeon yet. Uh-huh. I did not know what was going to happen. And I said, you know what? I don't think I, no. I said, you know what? I am going to die, but not from this. I want to use language with my grandchildren that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want us to all be aware. Of course. I mean, it's inevitable that, that that's going to happen. Absolutely. And I don't want to pretend that I don't think it's going to happen. I don't want them to pretend they think it's not going to happen. There's a phrase that I use as we prepare in the light for what you will do when darkness comes. Mm, we know sense. what we're going to hang on to. Yeah. Well, and I think that your attitude about it is is very good too because you're saying it's not from this that's right i will go but not from this so i think that positiveness makes a difference in your health and and even those Mm -hmm. around you thinking Mm -hmm. positively about you know your situation and sure and that so um Okay, so one of my other questions was, you mentioned a sliding scale, Mm -hmm. so some of our listeners may not understand what that is, so if you could um, talk about that for just a minute. Absolutely. We have what's called a suggested fee. No, Mm -hmm. we don't do the sliding scale. You bring proof of income, and we tell you how much you're going to pay. We don't do that. Okay. What we do is we have a suggested fee, and our suggested fee is for every $10,000 your household brings home a year, Mm -hmm. we ask for $10 a session, meaning if your household makes $50 a session, we ask for $50 a session. Okay. If your household brings home $100, we ask for $100. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a maximum right now of $120, and we've got several clients that can pay that. We've also got clients that say we should be able to afford 80 but because of a recent move, because of a recent job change, because of a recent death, medical mm-hmm. expenses, etc., we can afford 50 And I'm like, that's fine. That's okay. fine. We say thank you. Mm-hmm. And that is where this community has been really and true. I have people all over America asking me, how are you able to do this? I'm like, it's unspeakable what Wise County does. <laughs> I mean, we have the most generous mm-hmm. community. When they know a need, they know what it's about. I mean, we are very open about what's going on at YCCC. Mm-hmm. We're on social media, at our fundraiser. We're telling stories. We show videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got people telling our story. And when this community knows what, what we need, we have always, this this community rises to the occasion. We've always had what we needed to make it happen. That's right. We're not extravagant. We are a Mm -hmm. nonprofit. We're tight on what we spend money on. Mm -hmm. 
but it, it's been amazing. It's been amazing to be here. And so I don't want, if anybody is listening and you need professional help, I don't want anything about money to keep you from calling us. We want to work with you. Mm-hmm. We want to see you. We want to be with you. And we will talk about money after the first session. I mean, we, we want to be with you. Okay, and just just to be clear, also you do not take insurance. We don't do insurance. Okay. Uh, we can do add a net network, which mm-hmm. means if our client wants to talk to their insurance company, we will sign papers, etc., okay. to make that happen. But right now, we're not on any insurance boards at all. Okay, we. Um, don't give diagnosis, mm-hmm. but we do a lot of referrals. We have a whole resource list. We help okay. you find the help you need. Wonderful. Okay. And so then the other question was, um, it's wise Christian counseling. Mm-hmm. So what if I'm not a Christian? I am so glad you asked that. The word Christian in our title tells more who we are. Mm-hmm. It's not who we see. Okay. Nor do we force that. Now, I want to be really open with this, though. I am a strong believer that we all have a spiritual component. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No matter what, where we place our faith, Mm -hmm. we can't deny sacred space. Right. Um, nor have I ever had anyone try to. But I've worked with, I had one of, as soon as I moved to Wise County, a woman that I was working with in Grapevine, I had an office at that time, a satellite office on Main Street, Grapevine, and she followed me here, and she said, I don't want to talk about Jesus. I am a Hindu, Muslim too, you know, mm-hmm. a parent in each one. I want to talk about Jesus. Uh-huh. And that we worked together for years and did really great work. She is now healthy and doing well. Uh, that is not my job okay. to force people what to believe, but it's to help people open. What I don't want is for hearts to get locked down that mm-hmm. you're not your best self, mm-hmm. that you yeah. don't enjoy healthy relationships, mm-hmm. whether that is with other people or with God. We want your heart to be healthy, to be open, to walk the road you want to walk. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... We know that the holidays are coming. Yes. Um, what kind of techniques or or ways of thinking about what's coming can you can you give us just in general as a healthy way to approach these difficult times? Right. Great question. Up. Great question. <coughs> I know that grief is like one really really big heavy ball Mm -hmm. that can roll over us. Mm -hmm. The only way that I knew how on that November 1st of 2010, the only way I knew how to go into the holidays is to break it down Mm -hmm. and uh, do it in more bite sizes. And so my big ball got broken into four components. That first year, I've added a fifth one, but that first year, four. Physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual. PERS, P-E-R-S, is the acrostic that we use. Okay. Physical. Let's talk about that one for just a moment. In physical, man, I was so not prepared for how hard grief was on my body. Mm. It was really, really hard. Mm. My son-in-law was checking vitals constantly, believing he was having a heart attack. Wow. It is hard on your body. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to slow it down, uh, slow down my movements, literally 
slow down my movements, to be uh, to be more aware of anxiety rising. Mm-hmm. I could okay. not be my best self with that amount of anxiety. I was mm-hmm. diagnosed at the time uh, by a grief therapist with some PTSD because of the things my eyes had seen while Jenny was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so anxiety was really great. I never, ever thought about that. PTSD pretty, mm-hmm. from having Absolutely. witnessed yes. that. Oh, my goodness. And that's not just with death. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. I think we are mm-hmm. way underestimated. Oh, sure. The um, the more the Me Too movement is coming out, mm-hmm. the more that's triggering memories right. that people had that, like you said, they they tapped in that grief mm-hmm. and, and that sorrow and that sadness about mm-hmm. being robbed of an innocence. And maybe for a lot of people that are coming out with the Me Too movement that have been abused and oppressed with that, they didn't even know it wasn't normal. Right. And so when they begin to hear right. the stories, it's like, whoa, 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 that's not, what that, happened? That's just my life. That's right. That's right. And so the mm. physical is so imperative. And that's where I always have my clients start. Mm-hmm. First session, we always talk about physical. Are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. can you prepare for, more, for better sleep? Mm-hmm. I have people, particularly in the holidays, and I'll probably do it again this year too, mm-hmm. is back up bedtime and maybe an hour before start getting ready to go to mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. I may do a journal. I do a gratitude journal every night. And I do, if y'all will remind me, I want to talk about that more in just okay. a minute. But mm-hmm. gratitude is imperative. Uh, I will journal. I may take a really warm bath. I may um, get in touch with my own breathing. Mm-hmm. And I do that frequently throughout the out the day when I'm with grievers, I'm very, very aware of my own breath. Hmm. Uh, I do box breathing a lot and teach my clients to mm-hmm. do that. Teach my grievers to do that. Uh, it's four seconds in, you hold for four. Four seconds out, you hold for four. Mm-hmm. It is a Navy SEALs use this okay. when they are in extreme situations mm-hmm. now they do it longer than, than four uh-huh. they can go up to 20 wow. uh, four to eight That's, is about my wow. yeah four <laughs> to eight is about my my link there but it's just it's controlled you can't mm-hmm. feel anxious right. and do this method of breath mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what happens in anxiety is, is our breaths become very shallow and just fill the top part of our lungs when you're breathing like that, oxygen is not, oh, this is so, it can be so deep, but it's so simple, right. but oxygen is right. not getting to your brain, which means you aren't thinking clearly. Right. And so wow. that's where we say things we wish we hadn't said. Mm-hmm. We're not ourselves. And so for physical, it really is getting in touch with breathing. Lots of deep breaths. Grievers sigh a lot mm-hmm. because sighing turns off the stress response. Yawning turns off the stress response. Isn't that interesting? And so when I get really upset, you'll hear me. For a long time after Jenny died, I would go, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) And so my husband's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I'm just calming myself. You know, I'm just talking myself Mm -hmm. down here. Those are good things to do. Those are good things to do. Yes, good things to do. Interesting. And recognize it on other people now. Yes. Mm. I hear sighing. Okay. I hear you. I I hear what's going on. Yeah. 
And so I know that something's going on inside of you when that happens. Instead of responding, oh, would you stop sighing yes. already? Yeah. Yes. If you, if you don't want to be here or but, if, right. you know, you take it, look at it in yeah. a different way and that's not the way it is at that's all. That's right. Wow. Uh, well, and I find it interesting that, um, you know, I'm in tears listening to your story, but this also, I mean, like for you, you hear stories all day, yes. plus you have your own story. So that has mm-hmm. got to be, mm-hmm. how do you not break down in tears with your clients, you know? Um thinking about your own life so I don't know I just I guess like like you said you're breathing and you know really taking care of yourself you know I don't want to be on this road Mm. and I don't want anything about us opening a grief center or whatever we opened this grief center specifically for children oh that is the bottom purpose it is for children Mm -hmm. now i run adult groups out of it too but we opened it specifically to bring children in and for them to have a top of the line grief center here in wise county okay and not have to travel Mm -hmm. to other places to to get the the level of care we want to give them but if i have to be on this road and i do Mm -hmm. i want to be with other people who are on it Mm. and so i picture it more side by side uh-huh. We're walking together. I may be a little out in front because I've been on it longer, mm-hmm. but at any moment, I may be on the ground again, and we're lifting each other together. Yeah, We're walking together. This is probably a good time to bring this up, and this is a point that I always want to make about grief. We have no room. We have zero room in our culture, zero room in our world for what we call comparative suffering. Uh, where people say, I can't talk to you about your pain. I can't talk to you about my pain because your pain, losing a child is the Mm -hmm. worst. No, 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 no. How is that helpful? How is that helpful for me? Mm -hmm. That that leaves me all alone. Hmm. And how is that helpful for you to think I'm not going to be beside you? Wow. I think when we recognize it's not like events that join our hearts, Mm -hmm. it's like emotion. And so we're walking together, and we are trying to figure this out. I've never used that phrase more than I've used in the last nine and a half years. We are figuring it out. (laughs) There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of mystery. Mm -hmm. We're just figuring it out. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that I believe. Ah, this isn't even going to roll off my tongue very well. But I don't know that I believe that the death of a child is the worst. Mm. I believe it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. But I believe there are some deaths that are just really hard. There are other pains that are just really hard. Mm -hmm. And I believe we've got to show up and uh, help people walk. Mm. Help people walk. So if it's physical tools we're going to give, my goodness, let's do it. Mm -hmm. I want to breathe in people's ear. I remember my Jenny was born 1978 when the Lamaze method of childbirth was really popular. Right. Yeah, no no right. meds, let's breathe. <laughs> and you know, my husband would be in my breath and my in my ear, and my my midwife would be in my ear. And that that's so what I picture now with journeying beside people. Uh-huh. I'm going to breathe in, in your ear, and I, mm-hmm. I'm going to breathe calm, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to breathe with uh, with depth and repetitive breath to help you join me in this. 
We're going to be restful. We're going to uh, drink lots of water. Mm -hmm. Drink lots of water. Whoever thought that would be help for grieving. Absolutely. But it's... It, it really is good. So I mean, you're for your brain and for so many things, yes. and, and that is one thing that I don't do enough of is drink water. Yeah, and I know that. So that is something that I need to work on. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because right there, I'm going to use the word intention. Mm-hmm. Not one thing that I'm sharing with you today will you do accidentally. <laughs> uh, yes, all done with. We know. We know where we want to go, we mm-hmm. know what we want to do, mm-hmm. and we figure out how can I incorporate that into my life. So how do, we, how do we do that? How do we keep it forefront in our mind? How do we keep it when we're getting into that stress mode uh, to think about that versus continuing down that stress path? Oh, that's so, so good. I think part of it is in place, like I have a glass of water beside me right now uh-huh. because I didn't know how this would affect me. Uh-huh. talking about this and sure. doing this podcast so i'm prepared I'm, okay I'm ready i have kleenexes right beside me just in case uh-huh. i keep a kleenex or two in the front of my bible all the time because i never know yes and so i give myself permission to be where i am uh-huh. but to prepare up and to know one thing if my husband were listening right now he would laugh because i'm not good at this but i know this i try to stay away from blue light at bedtime mm. oh yeah it wires me it wires you we we may think that's good but it doesn't let me get into deep sleep right and so it is a really good um mind number uh huh. Mm-hmm. N-U-M-B-E-R, in case yes. you don't know. It numbs us, mm-hmm. but it doesn't let us get into good rhythm of right. sleep. Personally, this is just me. I can't read my Bible at bedtime. I do not read my Bible at bedtime. It gets me wired up. I want to take notes. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. to do something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to find your mode of what helps you rest. And television, iPad, computer, phone never will be on that list. Uh, alcohol is not on that list. Mm. It may help you get to sleep. It doesn't help you stay asleep. And so lots of things, we just have to get curious. I love that phrase. Alan Wofelt is a man that I follow, his um, theories of of grief. He's written a theory called companioning. Mm -hmm. And uh, he talks a lot about don't think you know the answer for yourself or for other people. Mm. Get curious. Get curious. Get curious. Ask questions. Ask questions of yourself. Why am I feeling this? What's going on inside of me? What's happening right now? What am I afraid of? Where well, we keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> you know. Okay, but you're going to make me cry again. I, tears <laughs> are there. And, and you know, I, I want to say this, too, about tears. Tears of grief... As, and I'm segueing here from physical <laughs> in, into emotional. Mm-hmm. But the tears of grief contain a totally different biology than any other tears. Mm-hmm. Tears of grief contain toxins. And they have to be shed. Mm-hmm. And so our society does not do a really g- good job of holding space for crying people. Right. Frequently people in my office will say, uh-huh. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 no. In this room, tears are welcome. I keep Kleenex beside me too. 
we may cry together. Tears are, are welcome here. Frequently, it's because I believe several things. I don't believe that we slow down enough mm-hmm. to talk about pain, to talk about maybe our own stuff. And so when we get into that sacred space and mm-hmm. it's just raw, mm-hmm. a lot of the tears that are shed in my office aren't from sadness. They're just from pent up. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting years to talk about this wow. or to experience this or to feel safe enough to go here. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. And I'm like, because I'm safe. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I'm bound by confidentiality. Right. My ethical code says I cannot tell another living, breathing soul anything that you share to me, share with me, and even that you came. You have a safe place. Mm-hmm. We aren't used to that. Right. We are not used to having a place that we can open our hearts and You know, this makes me think of the Jewish practice of when someone dies, Mm. you spend time. That's right. Cover the mirrors. You spend a week, I believe. And and just you don't go and do, you're not in a rush, nobody's expecting you back at work. You you take that time. That's right. To to Me. grieve, to do, That's to yeah. Right. That's so powerful. And it's and I do I believe about that, that we could learn a lot from other cultures mm-hmm. and the way they handle grief mm-hmm. and some of their responses. It's always interesting. Rick and I go to Israel fairly often. We lead groups there. We're going again in twenty twenty one. It's interesting to hear the different cultures and how mm-hmm. we how we sit with grief, how we stand with grief, how we are with grievers. Because when their period of mourning is over, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty done. And I right. think that, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, another another side of the cube right. to, to look at, right. to, to be with. So what do we do with that emotion? I believe we get curious about it. Mm-hmm. The first thing we always do in most every grief group, I may not do it first or second time. I try to start it second, but it kind of depends on, on the group. But I pass out a, a chart with a lot of emotions on it. Mm-hmm. They're written or there may be faces. We've got mm-hmm. lots of different charts. And we do it with the youngest of children, too. We start, uh, Jenny's Hope starts with five years old. And so our youngest children okay. do it too. But what are you feeling tonight? Where are you? Mm-hmm. And our deal is you may feel this right now. You may be somewhere else in five minutes. Mm-hmm. What are you feeling right this minute? Most grievers will say sad first. But when they look at all these other emotions, and I give them permission to pick two or more, mm-hmm. sad's not always the, the top of the list anymore. Mm-hmm. It may be confused. It may be jealous that you still have your husband and I don't have mine, Mm -hmm. that you still have your daughter and I don't have mine. It may be uh, grateful. Mm. It may be angry. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of different emotions that we're we're showing up with, but when you can name it, when you can say it out loud, and nobody's going to argue with you about it. (laughs) You're just going to be able to say it, and nobody's going to go, well, tell me more about that. You're going to go, okay. I, I hear you. I get that. And somebody else in the room typically will go, me too. That's mm-hmm. not even the one I was going to say, but that's what I feel too. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting to hear where people are emotionally. 
I really, really believe in giving ourselves permission to be there when I fight where I am. And let's make this holiday specific. When I fight where I am going into the holidays or when I plan in advance where I have to be in the holidays, Mm -hmm. it usually doesn't end well. Right. I have to be where I am. I have to be with whatever pops up for for me. And that doesn't mean all bad. That's Mm -hmm. not always sad. Mm Mm-hmm. I just give myself permission to be. The more self-aware that I can be about my emotion, the better chance I have of not hurting another. Mm. Tap down emotion frequently comes out as anger. Right. This is a great time to say this. Um, as a counselor, I know, and I really do believe that I know, anger is not ever a primary emotion. When you're experiencing anger, there's something underneath it. Hmm. Anger is a presentation of emotion that we're more comfortable showing than the vulnerable one that's underneath it. Mm -hmm. It's easier in America to be angry than it is to be sad. It's easier in America, and this is for marriage and grieving, (laughs) and maybe marriage and grieving, it's easier to be angry than it is to be fearful. We don't hold room for fear. Mm. And fear is part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. You cannot deny fear. For people that don't know what they're afraid of, their fear is knowing them. And so we have got to know, what is it? What could it be? What's going on with that? And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's writing. It's writing, 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 journaling, peeling the layers back through a journal. Um, While I brought up fear and while I brought up emotion, I want to say this. I wish I could remember the woman's name. It's in Brene Brown's book on Daring Greatly. Mm -hmm. I want to say it's Laura Williamson. But in that book, Brene quotes, I think it's Laura Williamson. She says this, that joy is the most foreboding of all the emotions. Hmm. Joy is the scariest human emotion. How many of us, this is Dr. Brown's language, how many of us have stood over a sleeping baby and we go, I never dreamed I could love anyone as much as I love you. And then in the very next breath, we're, but what if something happens Mm -hmm. to you? You know, we Uh don't fully enjoy the moment because we're so scared and and joyous when your heart's open. And then you go, but what if I don't feel? And you clamp it down real fast. Mm -hmm. But to give yourself permission to experience joy is so brave. It's brave. Even in grief. Mm -hmm. And this is really important in the holidays. Um, I don't know if I think it's more important in the holidays, but I think it's important in the holidays. Let's go with that one. One of my daughter-in-law's uh, daughters-in-law asked me, mm, probably about a month after Jenny died, she said, uh, I got a question for you. And when this daughter-in-law says that, I know it's going deep pretty quick. <laughs> and she said, are you going to be bitter? Mm. And I looked at her huh. and I said, uh, great question. And absolutely not. I don't know how right now I'm going to avoid it, but mm. I'm not going bitter. Mm-hmm. And I believe that what this beautiful young woman was asking me is, what's Christmas going to be like at your house? <laughs> you still going to play with my kids? Mm-hmm. Are you still going to put my kids to bed at night? Are you still going to be a fun Grammy? Uh-huh. What are you going to do? 
are we going to laugh a lot? Is there still going to be dancing in your kitchen? You know? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be bitter? And I set my sight right then, a month after Jenny's death, in prayer. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do want the joy of your spirit to overwhelm this deep sadness. But it meant I had to sit in the deep sadness for a while mm -hmm. yeah, before I could experience the glimpses of joy. And I knew I wanted to do that. Something else about emotion that I think is really important, and right here we all have to hear what I'm about to say through the ears where we are in the journey. Again, this is from Dr. Brown. She said, there is something really, really different about numbing pain and about doing what comforts your soul. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. all have things we do that numb pain. When we get stressed, we have stuff we go to. Right. We scroll social media for mm -hmm. hours, or we get on t TV, mm -hmm. or we sleep, or we don't sleep. Or for me, I get really busy. Busy, 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 busy. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to don't have mm -hmm. to sit with the pain. Right. Or maybe we become withdrawn. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. has their own alcohol, mm -hmm. drugs, prescription or otherwise. Mm-hmm. We all have our stuff. Do you feel like that's a good list? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We we numb pain. Oh, my own personal food. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rather, do I do what comforts my soul? You know, the example that I use is Thanksgiving, first year, 2010. Our family d did, still does, the every other year. So right before Jenny died, we were together Christmas. After Jenny died, we were together Thanksgiving. Mm, okay. One of my sons at that time lived in Houston. The other son lives and still lived uh, lived and still lives in t Tennessee. Okay. So Jenny lives lived in Keller. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can tell with her, Aya still do some present tense and past mm -hmm. tense, yeah. and I give myself permission to do. <laughs> I do want you to know. I I know that I do that, and I'm okay mm -hmm. with it. You just have to cover me with grace and mercy with that one. Um, but Jenny, living 30 minutes away, knew it was so hard for me when everybody left Saturday morning. All my children are in ministry, so they all left Saturday to go back mm -hmm. to their own churches mm -hmm. for Sunday morning. And I was like, oh, the house is so quiet. Now, my <laughs> husband was like, woo, the house is quiet. But when Jenny, you know, when it was gone, uh -huh. it was gone. It was so quiet. And Jenny would always say, Mom, we're going to go home, but let's get together for dinner. And it gave me something Aww. to look forward to all uh -huh. along. And I mm -hmm. love that. But that year, mm -hmm. nobody was coming back for dinner. Right. And so I am that grandmother in Decatur, Texas, in my robe. We had just finished this gigantic breakfast, but I'm chasing the car down the street. That's just what I do. <laughs> bye, bye. And then I turned around to walk back in the house. I was not hungry. We had just finished eating breakfast, mm -hmm. but I found myself in the pantry with the door closed, mm -hmm. and I was scouring the shelves, going, "What can I eat? I want to eat. I want to yeah. eat something carbohydrate-y. Yes, I know I just made up a word, but it's <laughs> good. <laughs> and I found Pringles. Oh. I hate Pringles. I do not. Oh. <laughs> my younger son, my youngest grandson, loves Pringles. I don't like the way they smell. I don't like the way they feel in my mouth. I don't like the way they taste. I don't like the way they make my breath feel. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just don't like Pringles. But I found myself in a personal contest with myself to oh, see how many Pringles I could fit in my mouth at once. Oh. And I got really good standing right there 
in that pantry with the door closed. Wow. Until I was like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. So I tiptoed, got the dustbuster, cleaned up the pantry, went and told my husband, let's invite friends to go to Joe T's tonight. And he said, that's a great idea. Both of those events involve food. Yes. But one was done Mm -hmm. in secrecy and in silence and with great self-judgment. Regret always follows numbing behaviors. Mm -hmm. Did I still cry myself to sleep that night, even after a meal with friends at Joe T's? Yep, I sure did. But it gave me permission to continue to carry the pain. Mm -hmm. Being with friends gave me an inner strength that standing in my pantry alone (laughs) Pringles did not. And so Mm -hmm. that's that constant flux of life whether you're in grief or not Mm -hmm. we've Mm -hmm. got to be aware going into the holidays it's busy right uh it's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. you're with people you wouldn't necessarily choose to be with Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot going on november december but we've got to do what comforts our soul and again that will never happen on accident Mm -hmm. that's always with intention of knowing what what are you doing? Do you like what you're doing? Is there going to be regret when it's over? Mm-hmm. How can you get out of this? How can you? So I know I don't go in my pantry more than close. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we find our personal um, things that are not the numbing things? I love that question. Uh, for me, the language that I use with that is I go shopping for them. Uh, okay. I had a preacher tell me one time, that's not good language. I'm like, I like it. I like that language. <laughs> he likes the word scavenger hunt. I'm okay with it either. It doesn't matter. But I think you try on different things. Uh-huh. You go, is it being with a friend? Is it sitting down writing? Is it going to my backyard and just breathing? Is it grabbing a cup of coffee? Not only I drink one cup of coffee every day, and I only drink it because I love creamer. (laughs) (laughs) But it's hot. You can't drink it fast. And I just want to sit with a cup of coffee sometimes and just be. Yeah. But I I think that's exactly, I think you try on different things. And you see, does this work? Is this comforting to me? Can I catch a breath? I think it can be going for a long walk. Mm -hmm. We can never under... People in grief, people in anxiety, I always have them incorporate exercise into their daily regime. Now, for physical exercise, what the experts say Mm -hmm. is more days a week exercise Mm -hmm. than not. Mm -hmm. For mental health, emotional health, I say every day. Because it's it's an outlet for anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's an outlet for all that pent-up physical frustration. Now, here in Decatur, right. I always put earbuds in, whether they're on or they're not, so mm-hmm. I, I can get in my zone uh-huh. when I go walking. I like We have an elliptical at home, but I like being outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so mm-hmm. I want to put my headset on and just go. Just go walk. I have my phone with me always when mm-hmm. I go walking, and I may snap pictures as I'm mm. walking with of the sunset or the sunrise or a pretty flower. So I'm noticing things along the way. Mm-hmm. It's about being present. Mm-hmm. It's about showing up in your own life right. and noticing, being present, seeing it, hearing it, 
enjoying it, feeling mm-hmm. joy about mm-hmm. it, being thankful, having gratitude. We've we've talked about mindfulness. Yes, before, that's exactly what it is. It it has made it it's such a simple concept, Isn't it? but it's not that simple to do mm-hmm. the way our lives work these days. That's right. So, but I have found yeah. with mindfulness, and I'm still new at it. Mm-hmm. Been doing it for years, but still mm-hmm. new at it. Mm-hmm. I have found I can I can accomplish the things I want to do better mm-hmm. and more enriched. When I'm mindful, frequently I hear from, I don't have time for that. I'm like, you don't have time not to. You have to do this. Right. You have to be mindful. There's no joy in busyness. Mm -hmm. I've played that game. There's something powerful about being and monitor and adjusting. I'm a former first grade teacher, so I (laughs) monitor and adjust. You know, we're monitoring. Is this working for me? Is this working? What do I need to do differently? How, how can I show up here? Mm-hmm. And you got to know what are your um, what are your signs that you're out of sync with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, when I find myself real, uh, my mommy always called it short, but it's where your answers are very abrupt, uh-huh. not a lot of eye contact. I'm like, whoa, 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 something's going on because mm-hmm. I, I can go into that mode. Mm-hmm. And when I when I get there, I'm like, now that wait a minute. I need a minute. Mm-hmm. So I may even go to my bathroom at work, into my re- restroom, and go, I need a breath. <sighs> you know, I haven't, I can't even believe I'm going to say this on a microphone. I haven't told anybody this <laughs> yet, but I just got hearing aids a, a week, week ago. And one thing I've noticed in the last week mm-hmm. is I can hear my own breathing. Oh, wow. And it has been... Uh, a rich practice for me over the last week, eight days, I got them last Monday, to sit in stillness and get a deep breath and be with that breath. Mm. It's loud for me. Mm-hmm. I can hear it clearly. And so it's not just feeling it right now, and that may not last forever. She tells right. me that right now, my I love the way she put it. My audiologist said, your brain is very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I was so new. I loved it. But, but I got it. So my brain may not stay this excited. <laughs> but I love that, that I can hear it, and I can enjoy it. I go, oh, that was a good breath. It was good. Just to, to be where I mm-hmm. am emotionally. Mm-hmm. And, and to hear, hear myself. The next one going along, physical and emotionally, is re- relationally. What are you going to do about relationships? My own grief therapist said this. You alone can do your grief work. But you don't have to do it alone. Mm. Meaning you've got to do your work. Mm-hmm. Your best work isn't going to be done alone. You're going to do it with a group. You're going to do it beside other people who have that like emotion. And uh, without exception, every grief theorist says the best path in grief is always done beside other people. And uh, that, too, is why we open Jenny's Hope, Mm -hmm. to have a safe place for people in grief to come. Mm -hmm. But to be relationally, um, fears... And C.S. Lewis says this, uh, I never knew that grief felt so much like fear. Mm-hmm. Every fear I ever thought I had, 
was spotlighted in, in grief. I was so scared of everything, of the worst of things, of the deepest of things. And so it's how do you show up in that fear? This is so interesting about us, about the psyche of, of humanity. This is all people. Our fears are calmed when we feel connected. Mm. When we feel like somebody has heard us, mm-hmm. we feel like somebody gets us. Mm-hmm. When we feel validated, it's like, okay, I can do this another day. When somebody looks at you, I hear you. I hear your heart. But what frequently in America, and I love America, I'm not going to be honest, <laughs> we, we believe, maybe this is particularly even in churches. Mm-hmm. Let, let's go there. Let's go there. But, but we're taught we have to fix people. Right. Yeah. We have to tell people what they need to think. Mm-hmm. And if you can't ask hard questions to people in, in church or, or people in your community of faith, whatever that is, where are you going to ask them? Right. Now, I don't come to people for answers. I have never said, I don't know more than I've said in the last nine and a half years. I've never said it more. I don't know. I don't know. And the reason I say it is because those are the people I learned to trust. Mm -hmm. When I ask hard questions, when I was in my own grief pattern, and to have a theologian look at me and go, I don't know. I knew he was telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. I had somebody else tell me, you've got to become content. You've got to pray that you will become content in the mystery. I don't know. I don't know. And so much of our religious cliches just frustrate grievers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. They're, they're exactly that. They're religious cliches that don't right. make sense. No, they don't. They don't make sense. Yeah. They're cheap. They're things to make us feel better, right. not the griever. Right. They, you know, oh, I was able to say something. And now I I travel around America teaching pastors, holding space with church leaders on say this and don't say this. Yeah. And watch a person. What I say to you and you go, oh, that's so good. I may say the exact same thing to you and you go, oh, that's so hard. you got to watch mm-hmm. how people are responding and what did you just hear and, and how can, you know, I'm saying there's not one right answer. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. There's different answers. And so relationally, we, we show up. Brene Brown has this, this is my favorite Brene Brown quote of all times. Here we go. (laughs) Love and belonging are the irreducible needs of every man, of every woman, and of every child. Without love and belonging, there will always be pain and suffering. But with love and belonging, there is sacred space. And that is what we want to do at Wise County Christian Counseling. That is what I want to do in my own office. Mm-hmm. That is what I want to do in my own home. Is show up with love and with belonging. To many of our children do not know that they belong with us at home because we're so busy correcting them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we don't offer love and belonging. Too many in marriage, too many friendships don't operate where it's total unconditional love and unconditional belonging. 
And that's what we really, really want to help people develop the skill set to do as we're learning in ourselves relationally. So we've done physical, we've done emotional, we've done relational. And last is uh, spiritual, and I'm definitely open to conversation on this one. When Jenny died, I was uh, a woman of intensely deep faith. I spoke about faith a lot. But a few months after her death, I think it was 18 months, in fact, after her death, I wrote this quote after uh, being on I-20 and seeing where a wildfire had taken out part of the roadside. Mm. And it was ash, and it was gray, and there were deep crevices in it. And I had to pull over at Love's right after that, right after I passed that piece of property to uh, get gas, and I wrote this quote, Death created for me a spiritual earthquake. And it left me sifting through the ash to find the remnants of my faith. Mm. I do not believe when you are in emotional pain is a good time to explore theology. Mm-hmm. I think at that moment, we're narrowed down to bare essentials. And we're narrowed down to a, what are a few things that I can hang on to is truth. No fluff. Somebody may want to know, and I'm going to share mine with you. Um, a few years before that, my husband and I had gone through, not in our marriage, but uh, job-wise, just a horrible season for him. And um, I was eating lunch with another therapist who began to sh- fire questions at me. <laughs> and the answer to every question was, I don't know. I don't. Where are you going to live? I don't know. Where are you going to work? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is Rick going to stay in ministry? I don't know. And there's two words I don't use want used with my own name in the same sentence, and it is, I do not want people to ever think that I am a pessimist. Mm-hmm. I want to be real, mm-hmm. so I'm not necessarily, I'm an optimist in, in my gut, but I also am real that okay. pain is, is truth. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be boring. And so <laughs> I answered all of her questions. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I was just trying to change it up. I was, and I just I felt my throat. We were in South Lake, which I don't know how much you know about South Lake. People in South Lake do not throw big fits in restaurants. Uh-huh. And I felt my throat begin to squeak. Mm-hmm. You know how a big mm-hmm. fit's just about mm-hmm. to come. Uh-huh. And I excused myself. I went to my car, and I cried out to the Lord. Mm-hmm. you got to tell me what I know. Because I've just been over an hour coming face-to-face with everything I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is before Jenny died. This was in uh, probably December of four, so five, five years before Jenny died. And the Lord said, uh, he spoke into my heart, and he said, I will always be God, and you're coming to see my face, and you will have a close circle and family and friends who will journey beside you. And outside of that, <laughs> you don't know. That's it. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, you just get to pretend like you know. Yeah. Wow. And I set my eyes on that. And after Jenny died, I know you're still God. I don't understand you, but I know you're still God. And I know I'm coming to see you. And I will have a close circle of family and friends that will journey beside me. I think theology is very mm-hmm. narrowed when you're in real intense pain. Mm-hmm and suffering I'm doing a lot of writing right now Mm -hmm. and a lot of my writing is about religious cliches that are very damaging to Mm -hmm. faith Mm -hmm. and I'm very opposed to them Mm -hmm. 
very opposed to them. And I'm very opposed to them in the holiday season. Right. Uh, I want you to, I just want us all to be very careful about what we say to people who are hurting and in grief and maybe don't say much. Mm-hmm. Um, on Friday, no, Thursday, I'm going to the other side of Fort Worth and speaking at the Re- Region Center to a whole bunch of school counselors about how to help students in grief. And one of the things that we know is it is, I'm going to say next to impossible just really to be friendly. I think it's impossible. It was impossible for me to learn anything while walking the road of grief. Mm. And we expect our children to get back into those classrooms immediately. Yeah. And they are walking through some hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Daddy may have just left that morning or the night before, and Mom has to go back to work. And school is the best daycare we got. Yeah. And we don't understand why they aren't doing math. <laughs> You know, it's mm-hmm. it's hard. Mm-hmm. And so how do we just show up through the holidays? We hear the stories. We sit with people. We give them time. This is the perfect time to say this. I'm going to go ahead and put this in there. <laughs> in America, one out of every 14 children mm-hmm. from birth to age 24 are walking the road of grief of either a parent or a sibling. We aren't even talking grandparents, aunt and uncle. Wow. In America, it's one out of 14. In the state of Texas, it's one out of 16. Mm. Other states are way worse. We've got one state, I think it's West Virginia, that's one out of 11. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And California is one out of almost 20. But in, in Texas, it's one out of 16. That's a lot of kids, and that's it not is. counting divorce, diagnosis, right. moves, mm. abuse. That's not counting. That is strictly death. Wow. And so we've got to figure out how to hold space with these hurting children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they can have place in their brain to put new information. I'm all over school. I love school. I love the concept of, of children being together and finding social times, the laughter, the camaraderie mm-hmm. that, that they learn. Right. Man, we gotta we got to walk with them well, mm-hmm. especially November, December, while we're figuring it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, you said when you gave us the PERS that you had come up with a fifth one. I have. So tell us about that. This one is not going to be good for early grief, possibly. Okay. I mean, other people it may be perfect for, but I believe there is a component of creativity Mm. that we need to uh, allow to soothe and heal our own souls. Um. And I think that could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It could be talking. It could be writing. It can be artwork. It can be uh, decorating. But we've just got to be brave enough to allow our souls to be open to creativity. Maybe something we've never tried mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. But to allow ourselves to to be in that deep place in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Doing uh, artwork for me opens me up that I'm a better writer. Oh, if 
I'm getting ready to write for a seminar. Mm -hmm. So I'm writing when I'm going to speak. Sure. But if I do artwork before I start writing, Mm -hmm. I write better stuff. Oh, wow. You know, it's just... That's interesting. It is. And I I don't even try to produce a piece of art. Mm -hmm. It's just playing Mm -hmm. with art. Mm -hmm. Getting in there, getting paint on my hands, drawing something, Mm -hmm. just being in in that space of... uh, of making a mess <laughs> gives me permission to start with the messy place mm-hmm. and then create a beautiful picture, even if it's with my words. Wow. Maybe especially with my words. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like the undermining of even if. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> what else? Do we have anything else? I, I am... This has been fascinating. This yes. has been fascinating, Beverly. I appreciate your your willingness to share your story. Absolutely. And your willingness to speak with authenticity about both your experience with grief and the work that you do with others. Um, Thank you so much for letting me come and share um, what we do. Mm-hmm. I look forward in the future for ways we can partner together. Absolutely. I think we can do that. And I applaud both of you for giving space to grief as we're cranking into the holidays. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there is some special, uh, maybe especially hard path mm-hmm. through the holidays because of the empty chair. Right. Traditions that don't happen just like mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. What do we do? What does it right. sound like? And so uh, on November 18th, we're going to host an event, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's what we're going to be exploring okay. at that event, or what are some specific things? Mm-hmm. What are specific ways that we can walk into the holidays and be fully mm-hmm. aware? So please join us on November 18th. Free. We'd love to have you. Okay. So, um, one last question. Sure. Um, I, you did say earlier that you have a waiting list. Yes. So, if somebody wants to contact the counseling center, what do they need to do and what can they expect as far as waiting? And well, that, that is a great question. They call uh, 940-627-1618. If um, they will tell Britt, my office, uh, I started to call her my office admin. Mm-hmm. She is... Everything <laughs> does it all. Um, they'll tell Britt, kind of give them a brief if it's for a child or whatever, and she will outline to them how long the wait list is, what we have. Okay. If um, if they know who they want to work with, and all of our counselors are listed on the website, that will feed directly into that counselor and um, get there. We don't have as many adults as we have children. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening and you're wanting to get in a child, not opposed to that, but I want to recommend you as a parent come and let us uh, talk to you about maybe things that we could encourage or even teach you to do differently as a parent until we can get your child in. That's a great idea. We can make major changes at home. Mm -hmm. Uh If you know who you want to work with, call. If it's grief, we can get you into a grief group. Have one that's pretty open, a grief group that's open. Have one that's closed. Okay. And so we kind of do that differently. We're ready to start new. In January, we'll start new. So call and get on the list for a grief group. Or if you have children and want to be part of Jenny's Hope. Uh, at Jenny's Hope, we've got three rooms for our children. They're 
fabulous rooms. Uh, one is a prince's, a castle room, prince and prince's room. Mm-hmm. And in that room, there's a, a dragon tail, but no face, because every oh. child gets to name their own dragon face. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Didi DeCinco from our middle uh-huh. school, the art teacher, did all the artwork for us. Oh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It is incredible. The middle room is a ju- jungle room with a big elephant in it. Uh-huh. And that's because uh, frequently in grief, there's an elephant in the room mm-hmm. oh. that you can't talk about at church or you can't talk about at school. And sometimes you don't want to talk about it at home because it makes mommy and daddy cry. Mm-hmm. But in this room, you get to talk about the elephant. And then our teen room or preteen room, kind of depend on who we've got uh, coming at that uh, during that eight-week session, uh, is based on love mm-hmm. because of the that I had earlier with. Grief is rooted in in love. And so it's based on love, and there's a lot of good work that goes on in that room. I typically hold space with the parents while the children are meeting, and that is not a grief group where you're going to talk about your own grief as much as we're talking about how to help your children walk through Mm. grief. Okay. So I've got some people that do both. They're in a grief group and in Jenny's Hope, Mm -hmm. our children's group, or that's enough for them Mm -hmm. to be part of that. We've got people that do it multiple times. So call, get on a wait list. Britt will explain it to you. And if there's any way I can help you, Britt can tell you how to email me. Get with me and we'll figure it out. We are looking in January to do more events. So we're able to get people off the wait Mm -hmm. list and in, like Mm -hmm. a parenting class. More Mm -hmm. adding another grief group. We are wanting to get people off the wait list. That's Uh, great. Everybody involved. Okay, great. Very good. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning, Beverly. We appreciate your time. We appreciate what you do. And thank you so much for thank you so much. talking about your work with us. Thank you. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This has been the Long Overdue Podcast. Thanks for listening.